0: morning, everybody. Morning. morning, Ken. Uh, my name is Preston Pitts, and I'm one of the elders here at Common Ground, and I am so honored to be speaking with you this morning. Uh, what an exciting thing it is for all of us to get together and, and worship and praise together, and now we get to a point where we open God's Word together, and I love that because I always think when we open God's Word, God's going to speak. And he's going to speak to each one of us individually in some form or fashion is my prayer. And so as we get started this morning, uh, my other thing that I'm really thankful for is that we're doing this all-in series, and I, my, I hope that all of you can attend each, each time because it just paints such a beautiful picture of who we are in Christ and who we are as the church and who we are as individuals walking in a love relationship with God. And so uh, with that, I'm... I'm addressing one of the L's today, and that is love God and that all we do, we do for God. And uh, so keep that in perspective as we go through together. And uh, as we get started, I'm going to do something that's almost the equivalent of a public service announcement. And that is, I'm reminding you that next month, there's a special day. What special day is coming up next month? What? Valentine's Day. Day. And Valentine's Day um, is that special time. And I want to ask you a question. What's the main purpose of Valentine's Day? Show love? I kind of capsuled it this way, that, you know, it's a day where we uh, identify those special relationships that we're in And we show love, affection, and care for them. And sometimes we demonstrate that through cards. Sometimes we demonstrate that through um, flowers. Sometimes we demonstrate that through special meals. Linda, I hope you're listening. And, uh, (laughs) uh, and, uh, and, And so special things are being done because it's somebody we care about, somebody that we're in a love relationship with. But let me ask you this, if the only time that you showed love and care and affection to that person, to that, quote, special relationship, was on Valentine's, how special would that be? Not very special. The rest of the year, you're kind of into yourself, you're doing your own thing, every now and then you have some niceties, but the intimacy is lost, the relationship is lost, And you kind of do your own thing, and the other one does their own thing. It's not much of a relationship. And so, as we get started this morning, I want to address that. And not me, but Jesus. I'm going to get you to turn to a verse that God would not let go of for me. And wanted to make sure that I work this in. And if you turn with me to Revelation chapter 4. And we're going to go through verses 2 through 4, but we're going to just pause on 2 and 3 for a second. And so, I'll read it to you. If you can put, I think it comes up uh, if you have that. No? Oh, you're right. I don't have that one. That's right, because that was added later. Sorry. Uh, chapter 2, verse 2 through, in, uh, through 4. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake, and you have not grown weary. So let's pause there. So Jesus... This is a letter written to the church at Ephesus, and it's been about 40 years in existence at this time. And uh, so this church is making a big impact on the people of Ephesus. And um, they have, as you can see, they've been standing firm on the truth of God. They have been keeping false apostles out. They have been maybe persecuted, and they've endured, and they've been doing good work. However, let's go to verse 4. Jesus says, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. And some of your versions say that you've left your first love. Jesus is speaking here to how important the love and intimate relationship that He's called us to that we participate in and that we take advantage of. And how important that is because what he's telling the church here is you've lost that love for me. You've lost that affection for me. You've lost that intimacy with me. And you are now doing things on your own. You're not doing the things that I desire. You're not doing the things that, of my will. Therefore, you're now not impacting the kingdom of God in the way that you were. And Jesus goes on to say, I'm asking you to repent, and if you don't, I'm going to take your lampstand away. And that applies to us as individuals, and that obviously applies to us as church, in church. It's not just doing routine, mandatory things that please God. Things we think are best, it's actually loving him, being in intimate relationship with him, knowing his will, and obeying his will. And we're going to see more about that. But it's really all about the relationship. That's where life is, and that's where we experience life, and that's where we know God's heart and will, and we begin to be changed. So keep that as a placeholder. That's kind of a big one. And in fact, I described it this way we just all got into a brand new Tesla. First time we've ever been in a Tesla. And we go from zero to 60 miles an hour in 3.5 seconds. But in doing that, we didn't enjoy the comfort or the luxury or the pleasure of the ride. So I've taken you pretty far pretty fast. So now we're going to pause. Keep your seatbelt on because we're still going to go kind of fast. But we're going to go back and now let's look at the heart of God and the intimacy of the relationship that he's calling us to. So if you turn with me to... Matthew chapter 22, and in Matthew 22, verses 37 and 38, again, this is Jesus speaking, but what he's speaking to is that one of the teachers of the law have asked him a question, and he's asked him, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus responds, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Now, if you go to Luke and Mark, they add strength. So effectively, it's you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And uh, that's a pretty big calling for us. But what is Jesus essentially saying? He's saying love God with all that you are. Love him with your mind, love him with your emotions, love him with your words, love him with your deeds and your actions. So he's saying, just be mindful that we have been called into a loving relationship where we worship and praise God and we honor him through that relationship to bring him glory. And he's also saying, have a lifestyle where we're pursuing this relationship with all of our heart and mind and soul and strength. And in doing so, it will be pleasing to God and be greatly beneficial to us Um, because Jesus is calling this a command. And at first, we could be overwhelmed by that. Think about this command, love God with all that you are. I could stop and be overwhelmed by that. and like, how in the world am I going to do that? But a couple of things I think are really important for us to be reminded of. And the first one is God loves us tremendously. The God of the universe loves us. And the God of the universe wants us to have an intimate relationship with him. Sometimes it's hard to get our mind around that because it's the God of the universe. But one of the things as God's people we should understand is that's his desire and that's what we were called. We were called to be in relationship with him. So remember, I think a great motivator for us to pursue this relationship is to understand how much God has loved us. And so if you turn to, well, it'll come up on the screen, to uh, 1 John chapter 4, in verses 10 and 19, God put it this way. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. We love because he first loved us. So in our unlovable way, when we were unlovable, God loved us. And he loved us with such a love that he did what? He sent Jesus for us. The word propitiation means that Jesus, Jesus is satisfied the wrath that God has on those that sin and never repent, and that Jesus came and paid the price for us. And i like to pause here just for a second because when we're talking about recognizing how much God loves us, think about it for a second. Jesus came down from heaven. He became a man. And as a man, he suffered greatly for us. He was rebuked by the religious leaders at the time. He was even called that he was demon possessed. He was insulted. He had apostles that were close to him. One betrayed him. Another one denied him and they all abandoned him. And in the midst of that, he was beaten and scourged with a whip and he was put on the cross. And while he was on the cross, he took on the sins, all of our sins, upon him. To such a degree, he hollered out, called out to God, Oh God, why have you forsaken me? And the reason he said that is because he took on sin. It was the first time he'd ever been separated from God. But what held him up there on that cross and what caused him to endure that? Love for us. Think about that. That's something to keep in mind. God loved us so much that he gave himself in great sacrifice. God the Father compelled Jesus to do it. Jesus was obedient, and Jesus went through it because God loves us. So in the midst of everything, when things or trials or whatever are happening to you, and when the world tries to deceive you, remember God loves you. Never forget that. That should be one of the most compelling reasons why we want to pursue this love relationship with God. The second thing, because what I'm talking about is, this is a commandment, it could be overwhelming. The first thing is, remember God loves us. That should compel us to pursue this relationship. The second thing to be reminded of is that when we accept Christ, and Derek reminds us of this all the time, We're a new creation in Christ. So when we accept Christ, we are reborn. Our spirit is reborn. And we are given the ability by the power of the Holy Spirit to be into this love relationship with God. So as we're reborn and we accept Christ, we're given the spirit, a renewed and new spirit, to be able to fall in love and to be in this love relationship with God. And if that were not enough, just to remind us one more thing, in uh, 1 John, we're reminded that, I'm sorry, when, in uh, one second, Romans 5.5, 5. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that um, we are, the focus here is on God has poured his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So through the Holy Spirit, as again, as we've accepted Christ, the Holy Spirit resides in us. One of the things the Holy Spirit has done, he's poured his love into us. The love of God is in us. That does two things for us. One, it makes us understand and accept and receive God's love. And it gives us the capacity to love him back. So remember, this is a commandment. But God never asks us to do anything he doesn't equip us to do. So through the fact we're a new creation, through the fact that God has poured his love into us, we're able and have the capacity to love him back. So don't be overwhelmed by this. Now, it's a process, but we have the ability and the capacity to love God the way he has commanded us. So we should just relax in this and then ask God to help us in this love relationship because this is where life begins for us when we're in this intimate, loving relationship with with Him. And so we have this great capacity to to be in love with Him. Now, what I want to do is pause on that for a second also. I want us to start getting a visual of what does this love relationship look like? Now, analogies are dangerous sometimes, but I feel pretty good about this one. And uh, that is, let's walk through a love relationship where two people meet, and the end result is they fall in love and get married. So kind of what happens? They meet, and for whatever reason, there's an initial attraction. And for the initial retraction, There's a motivation to pursue the relationship a little bit. So they start dating. And when they start dating, they spend time with each other and they get to know each other. They begin to understand each other's likes and dislikes. They begin to understand their hopes and their dreams. So there's a relationship starting here. And then over time what happens is affections start happening. And you even begin to adjust your life, typically, in this relationship. For example, when Linda and I were in a relationship, she wanted me to quit dating other people. And uh, so relationships, I know, she's tough. So relationships are changing because you're now committed to this person. Also, I began to understand her likes and dislikes. I changed my life a little bit from the standpoint I kind of amplified the things she likes and I kind of reduced the things she didn't like. So things begin to change for me. And then as we begin to advance in the relationship, we begin to have trust for each other and we begin to do life together. Now, our relationship with God is not unlike that relationship. What we're talking about today is us pursuing that love relationship. For us to spend time in the God's word and in prayer to get to know God's heart, to get to know what God's desires are, and his desires become more like our desires. I said that completely backwards. Our desires become (laughs) more like God's desires. What God dislikes, we begin to dislike. (coughs) We begin to have a trusting relationship with God. We begin to open up to him and ask him to enter and and engage with us in life. And so we begin to do, excuse me, life with God. And that's where the power and the miraculous happens in our life. If you recall, we talk sometimes about abiding, and that means that we are staying connected to God, is really essentially what that means. And when we're connected to God... He begins to change us, and we begin to become more like Christ. And that's what happens in the midst of this intimate, loving relationship, is that we begin to become more like Christ. There's a transformation that happens. But if we're not in relationship, if we're not uh, in God's word and prayer and really seeking this relationship, that transformation doesn't happen we begin to be a little bit like the church at Ephesus where we're doing things on our own. So remember this loving relationship that we've talked about and what it looks like. And so because part of what we need to do is pursue this loving relationship. And um, so as we go through this, that's kind of what it looks like. But Jesus, on his last night, he... Got with the apostles and taught them one more thing that I think has just carries all we're talking about to one level, one level deeper. So if you turn with me to John chapter 14. And we're looking at verses twenty-one and twenty-three. I'm going to read them. And this is Jesus, and this is effectively Jesus' words on that night. "Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him." Verse 23. "If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. 21 and 23 are very similar, a little bit of subtle differences I want to emphasize. But essentially, Jesus is saying, if you love me, you will obey me. That is the biggest way that we can show our love for God is live a life of obedience. But to live a life of obedience, what do we have to know and do? We have to know God's will and his desires. And the way to do that is through God's word. So Jesus is saying, if you know my word, if you look at it, he's saying, understand my words and obey them. God's words, Jesus's words are all in here. And one of the major roles of the Holy Spirit is to help us remember and understand God's words. So through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the ability to keep God's and Jesus's words in both God's, sorry, uh, that keep God's word in our heart. And, um, and then when we, they're in our heart, we begin to understand them and we begin to, they begin to be real to us. And then we develop this heart of obedience where we want to please God. So as he reveals things to us, we're obedient and the power of God is released. If you recall, Derek reminds us, God's way, for whatever reason, is to work through his people. And so when we know his will, we are obedient. God will release his power into our individual lives and into this church. And so it's a wonderful and magnificent thing that is happening here. And so what's, and what was the other thing Jesus said? So when you do that, you obey me. That shows you love me. And then Jesus says, when you show you love me through love and obedience, what happens? We begin to experience God. Jesus says, I'll manifest myself to you which means I'll reveal myself more and more to you. And then he says, one of the most miraculous things, God the Father and I will make our home with you. So he's saying, I live within you, I reside with you, and I'm going to allow you to experience our love to such a depth that it will compel you to overcome almost anything in life. You will begin to live this life that you've been called to that Jesus says, an abundant life, because we're now in deep relationship with God, because we're in this loving relationship, and because we're living in obedience. So essentially, when we are in loving, obedient relationship, we begin to experience God at a much deeper level. And I just say, how cool is that? I mean, think about the God of the universe this is one of the most important things. God is real, and God desires a relationship. Sometimes we just forget that. We don't really even think it's, it's true. That It's far from the truth. So just remember that. So that's what I think Jesus was telling them on that last night. Remember it's love and obedience, and therefore you'll know me more personally, and I'll know you more personally. So you look at this magnificent relationship, and you go, what in the world could prevent me from pursuing it? Or what in the world would prevent me from sustaining it and continuing to pour myself into it? I have one simple answer for you. Oh, my golly. What is the answer? We're the answer. We are the only thing. We're the major reason that we're going to not have a relationship with God or we're going to break the relationship with God. It's us. And so in that capacity, I went through a lot of Scripture, 1 John, Titus, Hebrews, uh, Matthew, Romans, and I was looking at ways that we break the relationship with God. And so I summarize those into three areas. I don't know if you can put those up. We break the relationship by loving ourselves, the world, or being lazy and casual. I'm going to take them one at a time. The first one loving ourselves. So when we start loving ourselves so much, that we care more about what man thinks than what God thinks. We begin to try to please God and not God. And we begin to try to please man and not God. We begin to be self absorbed with cares and concerns of this world to such a degree we don't have any capacity left to love God. It's all about us at that point. And so, therefore, we will, not, we will lose this relationship with God by loving ourselves so much and being so concerned about who we are and what others think about us. The second one is we love relationship with the world. Now to put this in perspective, we live in the world and there's nothing in scripture that says we're not to enjoy life here. But what it is saying is when you get this unnatural, obsessive love for aspects of the world that is against God. You begin to treat things of the world as idols. They are much more important. And if you recall, we're supposed to love God with, partly it was our mind. Well, the world will take our mind away. We will be so obsessed with things of loving things of the world, we don't have the ability to love God. I've experienced this recently. I got in some obsession uh, of going high with hunting rifles and scopes, Now that sounds pretty innocent, except I got into this place where you bid on them and you try to get good deals. I couldn't let it out of my mind. I'm working on this scripture and uh, on this sermon, and I'm waking up thinking about scopes, and I'm going to bed thinking about scopes, and and I'm like, that sounds strange, Uh, and I'm admitting, you know, we're all we're all supposed to confess our sins to each other. Uh, <laughs> but I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm in the midst of this and I'm a living example of falling in love with the world because I was truly, my mind was obsessed with this. Strange. But I'm just what we're saying to guard against because all of these are things I'm going to ask you to pray about. Guard against, guard your heart against falling into this. The last one's interesting being lazy and casual. This is probably one of the most dangerous of all. You actually, in your mind, have fooled yourself that you're in a loving relationship with God. And you're casual about it. You know, I'm a pretty good person. I do good things. But you're in no loving relationship with God. You are truly fooling yourself. And you're living in a life, and, if, and again, what we're talking about here, if you're living those life in those three areas, you're in disobedience not obedience. And what happens in disobedience? A lot. But one thing is that you have lost your ability to love God. You've also lost your ability to receive God's love. And so you're falling into the trap of thinking everything's great, but you really have no depth to your relationship with God. And you're a pretty shallow person, whether you realize it or not. And so I just caution you, Don't be lazy or casual about this. Loving relationship with God is a very serious matter. We've been called into this relationship. It is our purpose is to be in this relationship. So I ask you to, excuse me, pray about those three things. Guard yourself against them. And just like Jesus said to the church in Ephesus, repent. One of the most important things is when God convicts you of something, Say hallelujah. First you mourn because you've offended God. But there's a hallelujah in there. And why is it hallelujah? Because God brought it to your attention and he wants to heal you of it and he wants to forgive you of it. That's one of the most magnificent things that God does for us. Is once we realize we're in that relationship and you ask him to help you with things, he'll help you see where you're sinning and he'll repent and he restores you fully. So if you're in any of those traps, pray about it ask God to help you with it, and repent and turn the other way. And so, with that, I'd like to close by just reminding us of a couple of things. And that is, one, we've been called to a loving relationship by the God of the universe. It's amazing, but he wants this relationship. Number two, God has given us the capacity and the ability to step in, pursue, and be active with this relationship. Three, a big part of this relationship with God is to be in love with him and have affection to him, but be living a life of obedience in the midst of it. And so keep those things in mind. And so I would ask you, the thing I would close and ask, challenge you to do is to be very prayerful about all this, to, be in a, to go into prayer, to set specific time to pray, And to be in God's Word. And then in doing so, ask God to reveal things to you to strengthen this relationship and to also give you great capacity to be obedient and to walk in a life of obedience. A couple of comments I want to make about prayer and God's Word. One, pray authentically. What do I mean by that? Be honest with God. It's not some routine prayer where I'm praying for somebody's health or I'm I'm, those things are great, so I'm not minimizing any of those. But it's also about deepening the relationship. Ask God, be honest with him. I'm struggling with this. I am I know I'm sinning over here with this. Or I want to know you better. Help me. So have an authentic relationship with him. Pray deep prayers and ask the Holy Spirit, which is one of the roles of the Holy Spirit, to guide us in prayer. Second is to pray continually. And I used to think Paul, that's in... Thessalonians from Paul I used to think how in the world do you do that and what pray continually means is just be mindful God is with you all day long you're going to make a difficult, difficult call pray about it you're behind somebody in the road and you're in an emergency you're trying to get there and they're frustrating you pray about it I should pray about that a lot but that's a <laughs> uh, but you know it's praying about little things in life remember God is wants to be intimate with us So pray continually. And when you read God's Word, don't just make it an obligation. Now, it's better to do it through obligation than it is not to do it. So if you're on a reading pattern and you want to stick to that, but where I'm going is when you're in God's Word, remember, ask God to make it alive for you, to make it real, to make it speak to you. That's where God reveals his heart. We begin to understand him better and ourselves better, and we begin to mature. So ask God to help you in your readings as well. So with that, I will close. Father, we thank you that you love us so much, loved us even to so much it was a great sacrifice on your part. We thank you, Father, that you have called us into an intimate relationship with you and that we realize when we do life with you in that intimate love relationship, It's where we begin to change, and we begin to be more Christ-like. And that, Lord, then you give us great capacity to love others and to think of others more than ourselves. And that, Lord, in this love relationship, um, it's a mighty thing, and you can do mighty work through us and through this church. So your blessing and protection over us, over our families, your blessing and protection over this church and this body to keep us in great unity and keep us in that love relationship with you. We thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.